Hey everyone! Welcome to Journey to the West. I'm Jay, and I'm joined here with Sen today. Hi everyone, I'm Sen. And we're gonna be talking about some recent news and second to a talk about tribalism. So starting off, uh, there was a performance, actually a concert at Carnegie Hall that recently stirred up a lot of backlash. And uh, Sen, if you'd like to just explain the whole thing going on there. Yeah, so this article on the New York Times got released uh, like maybe just a few hours ago from us recording this, but it was about um, an act uh, that starred uh, Yujo Wang, who's like a very uh, famous pianist. I think they were like a duo that do acts together. Um, so another pianist called Hyunki Ju and Alexi E. Goodsman. And there were like a medley of songs from the West Side Story. And the the whole show or like thing, the act they did was called um, The Clone, which is also uploaded on YouTube. That It's kind of like a skit they made. And... It basically stars Yuja Wang as the clone, and she basically comes out of this box. And then, as she like steps out of the box, they remark that it smells like orange chicken. And then they mock the Chinese language, and then the clone breaks down, and then they laugh that it's made in China. And then I think. One of the other jokes kind of falls into hypersexualizing her, not just as a non-human object, but so they say stuff like, um, oh, God, she's so hot. Oh, how do you turn her on? And then I can think of a couple of ways. Ew. And the Asian guy, Hyunki uh, Ju, is also like, there's like a little um, scene of him like next to the clone and he's cross-dressing. So he's like cross-dressing as an Asian woman and she's the clone of him. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. Cause... And like the article just goes into the whole like, oh, satire thing. Like it's not it's not actually excusing it. It's quite, um, I wouldn't say it's that too scathing of a critique but it's kind of questioning like why would you do this type of tone and she's going oh it's a joke i'm asian like blah 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 uh i don't know the satire excuse specifically is not working only because the butt of the joke at the at the end of the day, it's still Asian people. It's still Asian women, you know. So to say that this is satire and she's just making light of her experiences as an Asian woman, it doesn't work. Because like when mm. people watch the show and then they walk out, what are they going to take away from this? That oh, it's okay to make jokes about people with the surname Wang. 
going, oh, Huja Wang. Like, that was like one of the jokes, like a play on her name. And I'm sure that it was drawn from some kind of real life experience. Like, but people are going to go out and just crack Asian jokes. This doesn't really stimulate people's minds and make them second guess their, their misconceptions or like their, you know, racialized stereotypes of Asian people. And it doesn't make people realize that these jokes aren't okay. Well, yeah, that reminds us of, uh, I think one of the first pods that we ever did was talking about this topic uh, with BBC's, I forget what that's called. Oh, yeah, Chinese burn. It's the same problem in that uh, they said that it was meant to be satire and draw upon the experiences that they had that were racist in real life, but the way that it was delivered didn't make it clear what behavior was wrong. And so it just came across as permission to be racist rather than condemning the racism itself. I think Yuja Wang is also British. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Um, Possibly, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Satire needs to be smart. It needs to get people to rethink the the preconceived notions. Uh-huh. This this is just like cracking Asian jokes. I don't even think this is satire. It's, <laughs> it's kind of lazy, actually. Yeah, it's they're not even funny jokes. A subversion would be to like point out the white male in this whole thing, you know, and be like, "Hey, he's he's being a bit of a shitty person," uh-huh. and all this, you know. Uh-huh. But the target is still Asian people, Asian women specifically. I don't know how. Like she's she's saying in this whole thing, like she's getting empowered from this. Like how, you know, I don't. I don't see how it's empowering. Something that I notice is that when people create this kind of thing, they like to fall back on the whole, oh, I'm just trying to start a conversation. I'm trying to get people talking about this. And I feel like, uh, at least for me, I'm at a point where it's not enough to start a conversation. You have to actually guide it to which goes back to like, you know, mm-hmm. make sure that it's clear that this is what's wrong. This, this is clearly identified. It's not up for discussion at this point. Like it's, it's not like an opinion. Racism is not an opinion. It's a fact. So I think we need to get out of the mindset of uh, settling for people just talking about it and actually push in some kind of direction that is beneficial to us as people who are affected by racism. Otherwise, this shit ain't going to change. Basically, Mm -hmm. combat art, the idea of uh, making a statement that's strong, you know, that's how you empower. You don't give your power to other people to decide whether or not something is wrong for you. You make that decision and you share it with other people. Uh, in a in a positive example, alternatively, I did find one comedian who, you know, rather than leaning on the the satirical thing, he actually 
confronts anti-Asian racism in his comedy. His name is Joe Wong. And uh, you might be able to find some of his clips on YouTube. He was, I think he performed at the 2010 Correspondents Dinner, as well as recently on the Colbert Report. And uh, if you get the chance to see his stand-up, I think we'll try to link to his Colbert performance. The closing joke that he ended with was, you know, I have a lot in common with white men. I also have an Asian wife. Like this is this is how you poke fun at a real social phenomena and get people talking about it in a way that clearly has a purpose, you know? In contrast to, oh, I know how to turn her on. Like, okay. <laughs> Good. I'm a literal robot. I'm not even a human mm. in this play that I made. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. I'm still processing. Like, this you, you know, what's a good thing? Uh, way to tackle the idea of being an automaton. Uh, if anybody's familiar with Janelle Monae, her last album was called Dirty Computer, and like her whole aesthetic and a lot of her uh, concepts and her music have to do with playing this character that's an android and using that as a vehicle for expression, but also to talk about racial discrimination, uh, being queer, all kinds of things like that. So if you want to compare that to this, it's really clear the differences in the messages that are being sent. So like you, you have to really have some refinement to the way you approach these topics so that they're not lost and turn into just plain racism. I mean, speaking of, you know, entertainers, wasn't there like this, uh, an- another New York Times article written by this Asian woman who wrote this play called like Straight White Men? Um, yeah, yeah. I actually... I wish I could find the interview with her where she was basically saying it was kind of like an exit interview mm-hmm. on like a red carpet kind of thing. And uh, let me find her. I think her name is Young Lee Park. Let me. I know I tweeted about it like ages ago. Yeah, because we were on that back in the day. Yeah, before everyone. Because even outrage. Like, fucking <laughs> look at my tweets, bitch. Um. <laughs> Yep, young young Jean Lee. I I saw this news randomly. What was it? Was it one of the articles I linked to you? I forget. I think you just started tweeting it, and we're, we're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I was confused. <laughs> Why do white men need to be represented? It it wasn't just that, but that people were like, "Oh, young Jean Lee made history for being the first Asian American woman and like playwright like on Broadway, blah blah,", blah. and I'm like. The place called Straight White Men. <laughs> Why the fuck would I want to watch this? I I know, like, um, in Australia specifically, there's this um, uh, this woman named Michelle Law, and she wrote a whole thing. And like her her play was called um, uh, was it sing sing a single Asian female maybe single single Asian mm. female yeah. And I'm like, okay, like that that is resonant at least. Like, what the fuck is this though? <laughs> it's it's like manufacturing um, this weird 
identity politics for straight white men as though they need it. The moment I saw it, I'm like this. She was like, oh, the struggle of the of the white man in this age. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> Are you missing like something? Her, her article, the New York Times thing. She tries to assert that she understands what intersectionality means and all of that, but if this is supposed to be satirical, this isn't really pushing anyone in any direction to understand the value of identity politics. It's just poking fun at it in a way that seeks to humanize straight white men as though they're reviled for no reason. And like the whole approach, it doesn't make sense. No, the crazy thing is I was reading was like, she's like, oh yeah, I can really empathize with the white men. Like, because I think they were asking her how difficult it was. And she's like, oh yeah, it was really like, you know, I could have put myself in their shoes. I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, like, in what white supremacist universe do you need to manufacture empathy for the people? The entire society is structured to favor. Like, the problem is not that we don't have empathy for white people. It's that white people, according to scientific studies, fail to have empathy for non-white people. Mm -hmm. Value the lives of animals over those of people of color. So what the fuck? I mean, there's more animal representation in media than there is of like most minorities, mm. or at least Asian people and like native, um, indigenous peoples. Like, there's a reason. And uh, something that she said in a verbal interview that I caught, and I wish I could find it because she basically was saying, "Oh, when I was growing up, I experienced a lot of racism and." felt othered and I really sympathize with how white men, straight white men are being attacked right now as like mm -hmm. like the, the identity that you should not have. But like there's no way to equate that. She's fucking stupid. She's crazy. I don't know what the hell. What the where does she live? Like you ha you have to really not understand. Oh, she lived in Washington. What kind of place does she live in in <laughs> mental state and like like, all the racism she faced, and, like, she wakes up and goes, I'm going to write a play for white men, like. And, and, again, she tries to say that this is meant to start a conversation to make people uncomfortable, so they start talking about these things. But, like, without direction, what purpose does this serve? Like, we're already all talking about it, so what What are you adding to this That is that makes it different from the, the discussions that we're having? And like, at least from my view, it's it's not as useful <laughs> because it doesn't say anything meaningful. Again, we need more combat art. God yeah, damn and it. we can't rely on or just because they have an Asian face or Asian name doesn't mean that they're going to represent our interests. Like, I'm not going to fucking celebrate. That's some dumb shit. People were lauding. Because I was, like, I try to keep up with the news and I, I saw, like, oh, first Asian playwright. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I look up what she wrote. And I'm like, why is this being celebrated? Why are people, like, going around being like, this is, she is the beacon of Asian American yeah. <laughs> entertainment. What is she doing? 
people thinking that this is going to open doors for Asian people. I'm like, this is going to open doors for tokens. Mm -hmm. This is going to open doors for people who are self-interested and just want to get ahead by themselves. This doesn't benefit anybody. This just benefits a few individuals who will sell out, make money. I know people want to like harp on like, oh yeah, crazy rich Asians did it for Asians. And I'm like, okay. If in within the next two to five years I don't see any Asian like flicks, then it's obvious that who's profiting off of this fake work, you know, branding or yeah, just the individuals involved. Yeah, I I do recall like um she did mention she didn't want to be like lauded for being an Asian woman writing plays. Even though, like a lot of these um, uh, news article titles would would just put yeah, Asian woman, like so color blindness. Like I don't want to be seen yeah. as an Asian person. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't want to be like like yeah, seen as an Asian person writing anything because she just wants to be seen as you know neutral or white, as you would call it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we should stop claiming people who don't want to, who who literally just don't want to be claimed as Asian, even though they are Asian. They see that's the problem. Yeah, it it goes like the fundamental problem in that thinking is that in order to be seen as a person, you have to be seen as not having color, aka the default, aka white. Mm-hmm. No, but that's the thing. Like, a lot of these people don't want to claim Asian, and I'm not talking about like. They're denying that they're like racially Asian. They they want to deny the identity that comes with it, like the social, like political identity uh-huh. that comes with being Asian, and that's what it is. So again, stop claiming people who don't want to be Asian, who don't want to represent us. Like, okay, fine, fucking ignore them. I don't know why people act so surprised when she like released that New York Times article sympathizing with like white people like it's in her work it's embedded in how she like speaks about these issues Mm -hmm. and that reminds me whenever people of color speak up about racism they're often called tribalistic and you know especially in the political landscape because you know art and politics can often be intertwined are blamed for dividing the country which is basically a way to dismiss the thoughts and just just anybody who's POC who's speaking up and challenging racism, call them tribalistic to belittle what they're saying, to basically dehumanize them because, you know, the word tribalistic kind of implies that you are inferior. And, uh, basically refuse to acknowledge that racism is a problem. So whenever you see tribalistic, it's often uh, politicians who are saying, we need to you know, stop being at each other's throats about race, even though there are real consequences to racism, including violence. They don't want to talk about it. And so they'll say, oh, you're being tribalistic. You're, you're impeding progress. You're dividing the people. 
And well, a lot of that- It's a dog whistle. Yeah. It's definitely, it's meant to say to other white people, I have your back. <laughs> and it, and also, you know, if you're a person of color and you understand what this means, it's a, basically a fuck you. The thing I don't get is a lot of people adopt the whole like tribalistic thing, you know, Asians going, oh yeah, I agree. We're getting too tribalistic. Like if you've noticed how like the conception of a lot of Western or civilization in America, Australia, whatever, it's built on white identity. It's built on discriminating and being racist towards minorities. And anyone that thinks that like, oh yeah, like post 19, like, oh, 60s, 70s, things were okay. And, and now suddenly people are just bringing this tribalistic identity. And I'm like, no, people have been feeling this way. It's just now it's coming to the limelight. And then now because of um, social media, people actually have a platform to voice their dissent where previously people just ignored them and maybe only paid attention to them during election year or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. People are who are upset by this are just shocked that we're actually standing up for ourselves and talking about it instead of being thankful that we're being oppressed. <laughs> like, like, if they paid attention, they would know that a lot of shit happens that doesn't get on the news, you know? And on the other side of tribalism, which ties into identity politics. Uh, you were talking about how white identity politics basically formed the creation of a lot of white supremacist nations, like Australia, like the US, like Canada, like Great Britain. Uh, there's this widespread idea that identity politics is useless, but if white supremacy is founded on white identity politics, then an identity politic for somebody who is not white or for anybody who is a minority and seeks to overturn that power imbalance needs to create an identity politic that is in direct opposition to that inequality, meaning indirect opposition to white supremacy, which is not really something that we see often. It's hard to find in people who are politically active in the Asian community. There's a lot of people who are just too afraid to call out anything that white people do, like violence committed by white people systemically or culturally or, or even directly toward us. And so I think it's a great measure of, you know, who is actually looking to dismantle the system and who just wants to seek a slightly better place for themselves within it. So you can't really trust every face that you see, going back to that statement we made earlier. And uh, one example that's very political for me would be Andrew Yang. Now, I'm sure a lot of people are going to disagree with me and just say that, oh, just because he's not perfect in my eyes, that that should be a reason for me to not support him because he's Asian and being Asian is enough. 
and like, oh, he's aware of the issues that our community faces, blah, blah, blah. To his credit, I don't think that he's intentionally trying to drag us down as a group. But uh, especially after listening to the podcast that he did with Joe Rogan and going into more detail about his plans and how he arrived at the conclusions that he does, it's just really clear to me that he has no fundamental understanding of what racism is or what white supremacy is. Because he too subscribes to the idea that politics is too divided and that, you know, we need somebody who can unite the parties and blah, blah, blah. Which is very similar to the whole, oh, we're too tribalistic, you know? Uh, Another thing that I noticed is that he claimed that it was economic anxiety that drove poor white men to vote for Trump and basically drew the conclusion that, okay, racism is a product of economic anxiety. Like people suddenly become racist when they are out of a job because they like to blame the other for that problem that they're personally experiencing. That's not true. Like (laughs) there are plenty of racist, wealthy people. It's like how Ambien is blamed for making somebody say racist things. Like that's not an excuse. It already exists. It's just a trigger for you to be open about it. A lot of these white elites and politicians, they do the whole, um, especially like on the left or liberal side, they try to scapegoat the poor people by blaming racism on poor people, you know. They marginalize uh-huh. that and say, oh, we're, we're the good whites and those whites are bad. Like, I can't relate to those, like, poor people in the Midwest because they're just backwards or some shit, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Um, it's shifting the blame. Yeah. And it's also kind of like going back to what like white identity and tribalism and blah, blah blah is it's when were we ever united is the question i want to ask people like people going we're too divided now back in the day things were way better and like yeah when all the white people were talking over everybody and t- and we're lynching us for fun <laughs> yeah when were we united like when tell me when because i don't I don't fucking know when. Even white people weren't united, really, in a lot of ways. So I don't, I don't uh-huh. really get it. It's an ideal that is just kind of associated with nationalism. I imagine, like, oh, we all, we're all members of this country, and therefore we should all be aligned on everything. But <laughs> like, it's not a matter of opinion. There are facts that are true empirically, like racism is real and it's not because of your socioeconomic status. I mean, if we even just look at the statistics for who voted for Trump, he won wealthy whites and he won poor whites. Didn't really matter what socioeconomic status you had. All that mattered was that you were white, including white women. So it's a really poor excuse to say, you know, racism isn't really 
a fundamental problem. It's just socioeconomic anxiety. So that's one of the, the major reasons why I'm not a fan of Andrew Yang, because his solution is basically to make sure that white people have job security in order to prevent them from being racist, which is very stupid to me. I'm, I'm sorry, not sorry. And he's such a corporatist. Like his only perspective is from the point of view of somebody who owns and runs a business. And so he's anti-organized labor because he believes it impedes progress. Well, like no shit. The reason that labor organizes fundamentally is because they're being fucked over by management and they want to retain rights. But like his approach is, well, we can convince these businesses to treat their workers better. How? Oh my God. Has he ever worked like those type of jobs? Fucking hell. Like just because you're a benevolent employer doesn't mean that like fucking Jeff Bezos is going to give a shit about the common man when he can't even like provide basic benefits to his own employees. Like he just gives a shit about getting rich. Even if benevolence, like if he's like, like a good guy it doesn't mm. mean his workers are getting treated right either because if you look at how fucking management always fucking works mm. people get screwed over Could, by shitty supervisors because you, know? you want to maximize like, your own profit like that's your goal you're not thinking about taking care of people right yeah doesn't matter it's like what you can get away with it's capitalism for you yes and so instead of challenging that power dynamic or, or at least giving less power to corporations so they can't influence politics so much. His strategy is to convince corporations to willingly accept things like taxes on their uh, earnings with the promise that if you tax them, that means more money goes into the pockets of consumers who will then be spending more money, who will then be putting more money into their pockets, which is the most roundabout ridiculous thing. It's like, it's kind of like reverse trickle down. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like it, it doesn't make sense because depending on your class, where are you going to be spending that money? Like if it's a tech giant, am I going to be buying a fucking new iPad just because I'm getting an extra stipend each month? No, I'm probably going to be spending it on things that I need, like food and shelter. I I just don't think his plan is very well thought out. I'm sure he's well-meaning, but he doesn't challenge the fundamental problem of the structure, which is the fact that it's fucking white supremacist and classist at its core. It just maintains these classes and and the stratification. And I I can't bring myself to support his policies just because he's Asian and he seems like a nice guy and he seems to sympathize with whatever Asian issues that you bring up to him which by the way are all model minority issues oh he doesn't represent me and uh, do so at your own risk I guess yeah well yeah it seems like in a lot of these convos like the working class you know Asians are usually left out or they're forgotten and like again no one's on social media speaking for them so they've kind of i guess mm-hmm. people just focus on representation model minority 
all the same bullshit all day, every day. Like, you can think beyond the box here. Like, Asians aren't just fucking mild minorities. In fact, we aren't, by and large, huge wealth gaps, huge gaps in education. There are those of us who are being fucking deported continuously. Uh, the vast majority of us came from countries who were bombed by the US or had our economies fucking ruined by Western powers. There's just, there's so much that we've been talking about that is never addressed in mainstream Asian American politics. And it's sad. So don't settle for that kind of stuff. Like I, I know that there's a lot of desperation, but we can do better. Uh, anyway, I think we're going to end there. Be mindful of who you're supporting. Make sure they actually understand what the problems are so they can fix it. Because if they don't, how are they going to fix it? That's pretty simple. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.